Hey podcast listeners, Michael Maurer here. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day, everyone. As a special treat to you listeners to celebrate this holiday that only comes once a year, we're releasing our Captain America The Winter Soldier episode. We figured it would be appropriate for this holiday. A couple things first. This is the first episode with our science portion, where we talk about movie science, and I brought in my super smart buddy Shimo to talk about that. Skyler is going to talk about the track The Winter Soldier in his music portion, when really he means the track The Causeway. And finally, we've got a new Facebook page, and we also have an email address, podcast at gmail.com. Feel free to email us any questions, comments, fan mail, flattering emails, whatever you wish, and we might just read them on our next episode. But anyway... Here's episode four, The Winter Soldier. Welcome to another episode of the Superhero Movie Club. We do comic book movie talk from modern to old, where it began, the final product, and its future. We cover everything about the movies, budget, themes, music, source, books, and hell, even the science, because science is awesome. I'm your host, James Skyler Outsma. And I'm Michael Maurer. And with us today is our also special guest. I'm Shmosong. Oh, yay. Uh, and this week's topic is... After New York, I convinced the World Security Council we needed a quantum surge in threat analysis. For once, we're way ahead of the curve. By holding a gun to everyone on Earth and calling it protection. You know, I read those SSR files. Greatest generation? You guys did some nasty stuff. Yeah. We compromised. Sometimes in ways that made us not sleep so well. But we did it so that people could be free. This isn't freedom. This is fear. S.H.I.E.L.D. takes the world as it is, not as we'd like it to be. And it's getting damn near past time for you to get with that program, Cap. Don't hold your breath. Captain America 2, The Winter Soldier. Now, first opinions around the film. Everybody around the table will go clockwise. Skyler. Um, well, for a movie that in the coming months before it, I was just kind of like, eh, man, yeah, man. I was happy to report walking out thinking that Captain America Winter Soldier was hands down the best movie Marvel has made thus far. Uh, it shows off all their best traits uh, when they can make a, a relatable story that rings true in today's society. It's got great action, uh, great exchanges between the cast members. I think I gave it about a 90. Um, I, thought it was a, I thought it was a really good film. You know, I enjoyed it a lot. The action scenes were really well paced. Um, the acting I thought was it was good um, I enjoyed their performances one thing I thought wasn't necessarily mm, awesome was their use of like kind of a heavy handed political overtone the whole helicarrier thing seemed like a commentary on drone strikes and it wasn't really all too subtle kind of like surveillance on the population it ties in a lot with current events I guess but I don't think they did the best job of it I gotta say, I'm gonna go with Skyler here and say this is probably the best made Marvel film has come out with. I'm not gonna say it's the most fun because there was a lot of preparation into my anticipation for Avengers. 
So I think that one still holds a notch above. But in terms of which one was a better made film, that was Captain America Winter Soldier. I mean, being able to use action shots in a wide spot instead of just a bunch of quick cuts here in, in close-ups and stuff like that and being able to see the whole thing. I know it's a lot harder to do, but it looks so much cooler. And when it comes to the political undertones, I totally feel you there. I don't think you can really do a political movie nowadays without being topical, without it having some sort of relation to some sort of topic. And I felt it was more um, less on drone strikes and more on the NSA and their surveillance and constant surveillance and always being watched because it's like the helicarriers went up. They were going to track every single person and make sure they're not a terrorist. And if they were a terrorist, they were going to shoot them <laughs> without discretion. <laughs> and yeah, I do agree that was a that was a. I don't get why nobody saw the flaw in that right away. Skyler, how much does this movie make? Okay, well, sitting uh, right around November, Captain America: Winter Soldier is currently at seven hundred and fourteen million worldwide. Uh, domestic, it's close to two hundred and sixty million. That puts it at puts it in second place for the list of USA movies and fifth for worldwide. So not too bad. I'd say it did about double what the original did. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's in second, right? So it's behind the one movie that's still at the top this year so far, as of November twenty fourteen, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Uh, since it's pretty much been out on DVD for two months or whatnot. I don't see it making any more, but uh, the fact that uh, this movie came out in early April and has still remained so high up in the roster, it's pretty impressive. Okay. So it had a production budget of, what, $170 million? Yeah, that's what I'm reading. Is that a lot? Is that a little for a blockbuster film? It's It's right in the neck of what a blockbuster should be. It's not quite as much as uh, American... Uh, Amazing Spider-Man was, but it's not, you know, to the enormous uh, portions of, say, like Pirates 3, which was at about $300 million. So <laughs> they budgeted themselves wisely, and uh, I think the uh, you can see the effects really well. Believe it or not, Captain America 2 was based on a small comic book storyline from 2005 by Ed Brubaker when they relaunched Captain America at number, you know, so they restarted the numbers, so it was Captain America 1 in 2005 again. It really wasn't Captain America 1. That was in, like, 1940. But anyway, number one, sell more comics. It's just what happens. But this is where you start to see Captain really dive deeper into the whole out-of-place, out-of-time sort of uh, mentality because he can't really relate to anyone because everybody he knows is kind of dead. And Bucky, you start to—this is when Winter Soldier sh- shows up. For the first time. You know, Winter Soldier's pretty new, actually. I mean, that's only... It's not even... It's about 10 years old. For a, a Bucky's been around for 70 years. But the idea of Winter Soldier has only been around for about 10. So, But in the, in the comic book storyline, you get a little bit of a different wraparound as the movie, of course, is everything is becoming adapted in the films to fit in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which it should. It makes complete sense that they should do that. But in the book, you have a little bit different in that it's extremely drawn out. This this probably would take... Eh. It took about 12 issues to get to the breaking point of where you finally got the big reveal. Maybe about 10 issues um, from that point. But instead of... Was it Hydra had him in the movie? Yeah, Hydra. Hydra had him? Yep. Okay, and that's a German branch, right? 
Yeah, for the, the most part. I German would. scientist branch. That That's how it fo- started, you know. Yeah, focuses on world domination. Evil Nazi scientist group. Okay. In a nutshell. Yes. That had nothing to do with anything in the comic. It was, the Russians had him instead, and they sort of played it up like, well, the Germans and the Americans have their American super soldiers and their super death weapons. What do the Russians have? Nothing. All right, we're going to go after Bucky. <laughs> well, they got him when he fell into a, a vat of ice after dismantling a rocket and blowing up his left arm. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Basically, it's the exact same thing where he's uh just goes into hibernation, comes out, kills some, assassinates some political leaders, goes back in hibernation, and that's why he can live for all these years. So that's uh that's new. They did copy, I think, the line straight up in the movie when he says, Bucky? Bucky says, who the hell is Bucky? That was directly from the book, although it could have been anywhere. Right. And there was also... There also seemed to be a throwback with the big red star on the side of his arm, you know, kind of hinting at the whole Russian origins, if mm-hmm. not. Yeah, it didn't really make sense in the realm of the movie, just kind of decoration. Let's put a star there, guys. That's a good spot, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the Red Skull was a lot more involved, and of course the Red Skull's not really involved in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We'll get to that later. And the way they cured him in the book is that... Captain got a hold of the Cosmic Cube, and for those who are just moviegoers, you understand what the Cosmic Cube was from Captain America 1, how it can kind of... In that one, it was just sort of a death machine, right? Right, just an energy source. Yeah. In the in the comic books, it's sort of a anything you imagine becomes reality type thing. So Captain gets it in his hand, and he says, Bucky, remember who you are. And suddenly, all those memories come flooding back. The brainwashing is completely collapsed, and... Bucky crushes the cube and leaves. It's like, you're welcome. Yeah, that's the new Winter Soldier. That's where Winter Soldier came from, and he's been sort of involved, sort of not involved, until he eventually, uh, Captain America dies in the books as of, I don't know, eight years ago, about, and Bucky takes the mantle, and he takes the Captain America suit, and I like that costume a lot better. I don't know who designed it. I should have looked that up. But anyway, uh, until, of course, Captain America comes back, because, you know, when you die, you get better. It's the magic of comic books, yes. Yes. So, Skyward, tell me a little bit about the music undertones. Oh, well, um, for uh, Winter Soldier, uh, Alan Silvestri didn't return to score the movie, but he did score the Avengers. Um, Winter Soldier is scored by Henry Jackman, who kind of made his first big splash with uh, X-Men First Class, which in its own right had a very good score, and then kind of scored some crappier movies in recent years like I don't know G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra or <laughs> or no sorry Retaliation Retaliation of Cobra is that the second one Retaliation hey, okay Rise of Cobra was scored by Alan Silvestri no way I know how cool is that that's a weird coincidence ah uh, yes but uh, this uh, score he did for Winter Soldier is a very serviceable score I would say it's not it doesn't contain quite the quote-unquote iconic theme that uh, yeah. Silvestri had for the first one, but I would say it's more a, it a strong me, score throughout. Yeah, it made me really tense a lot of the times. It just kind of tensed me up, whereas the Alan Silvestri score from Captain America 1, it felt like that was just like, he's a hero. Da, 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 da. Yeah, a little one note, I would say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this one had some 
some shades to it. Um, Henry Jackman comes from a background. He was mentored by Hans Zimmer, so uh, you're going to get that shades of that sound in. But he also started out in, uh, I believe it was house music. So, What the he, heck is house music? Um, I believe the only way I could... Uh, Properly describe it would be to go. Oh, he was a rave DJ, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can definitely uh, hear the electronic influences in that. Two tracks from the Winter Soldier album that really highlight that are track called Fury, in which uh, Nick Fury is being chased by the not police. Yeah. Play a little bit of that. Yeah. Okay. Very, uh, you know, electro, electronic, you know, humming in the background. And then you can also hear it a lot in the uh, the track Winter Soldier, which is the theme for Winter Soldier. Who could have guessed? But um, not me. Yeah. Uh, there's just kind of this driving uh, rhythm behind most of his tracks in this. And you can hear that in Winter Soldier. And what you can also hear is he makes some interesting choices in that he has what sounds like kind of just an eagle coming down and going (laughs) (laughs) and it's like oh winter soldier must be on screen so we'll take a listen to that quick Exactly. I don't even remember that from the movie. Uh, it starts in the the causeway scene, so right after um, uh, Sitwell gets thrown out of the car into oh. an ongoing truck. I think that's when it comes in. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm have to. I'm gonna definitely pay attention to that next time and point that out to everyone. The Winter Soldier essentially is, you know, kind of like a ter- the Terminator of the MCU so far. It's just that's a this, great description. Yeah, yeah, just kind of this unstoppable metallic force that can't be killed and just wipes no you out. Exactly. But there's still something there. There's still something underneath. Oh, Sebastian Stan, your acting goes for miles. <laughs> right. Uh, and then finally, uh, with the track at the end of the album Captain America, we get to hear kind of the general tone that this uh, music goes for. It, since this movie is much more an espionage thriller than Mm -hmm. the first movie was. There's kind of that shades of you've got a hero like Captain America who is altruistic and good in a world where everything is shady and underhanded and not very nice. So you can hear that in the final track. This is uh, Jackman's kind of uh, suite to not only Captain America the character in as we see him in this movie but the story itself, I feel like.
like a bunch of violins. Just in case I wasn't clear. Yeah, were you in an acapella band, Skyler? My secret shame revealed. Oh, I should. We should think of superhero-related acapella bands, but not now. No, but later. I definitely will. We'll come back to that one. We'll catch on to that Pitch Perfect craze come May or whenever. <laughs> Wait, there's a sequel? Yes. Oh, yay, wonderful. Yes. Pitch Perfect gets another movie. Yay. <laughs> Someone didn't like Pitch Perfect, I guess. <laughs> um, all right, next section. We're going to talk about a little bit of the science in the movie, how Hollywood got some things right, how Hollywood got some things wrong. In all essence, it's all about storytelling, so we let things go a lot. Until things are sort of past the unbelievableness. And that's sort of what I brought in uh, my good old friend Shimo here. Shimo Song, you've been sort of standing off in the corner there, all quiet. Are you still here? Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay. It's, uh, I've been sitting here. <laughs> my background on uh, superhero, you know, lore, and uh, kind of like the the music behind movies, for example, um, is not my strong suit. So I feel like I don't quite have as much to contribute, but I'd like to talk about science. Yeah, you're one of the smartest people I know, Shamo. Mm. Mm. Should be more people. <laughs> <laughs> and the modest, the most modest of them all. Mm-hmm. So, Shamo, tell me a couple scenes that you'd like to discuss in Captain America where you think, you know, the science might have been a little bit off or you're just like, you know what, I'm going to let that one fly. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a fairly obvious one is when, you know, Captain America uses a shield or whenever he uses a shield. You know, it's like he throws it and then it kind of like bounces against a dozen things and then he gets it back amazingly. <laughs> and that's that. I feel like that's one of those things where it's like, that's absurd. But at the same time, you have to let that go, right? Well, it's it's tied to a fictional element yeah. of the shield is made out of completely fictional material, yeah. which is immeasurable, mm-hmm. as well as what's in Captain America's body that makes him do the things he does is completely fictional as mm-hmm. well. Right. So, what about the whole helicopter thing? Yeah, so there's like this helicopter scene at the uh towards the end of the movie where uh, Falcon, right? Yes. Falcon. So, Falcon just finished beating up this guy and he's like <laughs> running out of a building which was like previously Shield's headquarters and it's like collapsing. And so he jumps out of the window and there's a helicopter waiting for him. Problem is the helicopter's beneath him, which means he would basically just fall into the rotor blades and die horribly. <laughs> but instead, you know, Nick Fury, who's piloting this thing, turns it over, or he turns it to the side, I think it was. And so the rotor blades are like pointing sideways, kind of like perpendicular to the ground. And he just falls in. Helicopter just stays there for a little bit, falls in, turns back, everything's fine. You know, maybe I didn't see quite the whole scene, but it just... It just seems like the helicopter, as it was turning, you know, the rotor blades are sideways. There's nothing providing any sort of lift for the vehicle to stay up in the air. It should just kind of plummet to the ground. And then the rotor blades should also be pulling it off to the side, further away from the building. Kind of not where Falcon was jumping. <laughs> so there could have been a really bad take on that next, what actually would have happened that scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, my bad. Yeah, it's just they kind of fly off, helicopter crashes, Falcon passes right through, hits the ground, everybody dies okay. type thing. <laughs> Happy ending yeah, for everyone. Exactly. Right? Would that not be daring? <laughs> 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 well, what about the, uh, uh, the whole cybernetic arm thing? I mean, he's able to rip cars off. Uh, well, do- I'm sorry, he's able to rip doors off cars 
and pretty much he's he can punch the shield and not feel a damn thing. Does yeah. having a cybernetic arm give you super strength? You know, I'm not uh, I'm not entirely sure about the context uh, in which the cybernetic arm is like placed. You know, is is the Winter Soldier a superhero himself? Um, does he does he have you know like the super soldier serum in him? As it stands, no. So he's just like a normal guy. He's just a normal guy. With a metal arm. Yes. Um. So the way that I would think about it is that the metal arm or his mechanical cyborg arm, whatever, you know, that can be like super strong. It can do a bunch of stuff, be super durable. But the rest of his body, if it's normal, would have to withstand the force that, um, is you know used by the arm so when when he punches something super hard like something like like concrete or steel and it like destroys that concrete or steel you know the force also goes back through his arm towards his regular body which i think would cause like significant damage on the non-modified parts of him okay thank you shimo yeah your contributions are always wonderful or they always will be wonderful since this was the first time but anyway let's go to the fun facts of this uh, but Skyward, hit me with uh, your your first topic here. What's that one? Okay. Well, in uh, writing the movie, uh, uh, well, first and foremost, movies directed by the Russo brothers, who basically come from directing a bunch of episodes of Community, so which is a comedy show, a comedy show, and I'm not familiar with anything they've done before that. So, good job to them for making such a big. So stretching out of the box here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. I'm not 100% sure, but I think they might have done part of Thor The Dark World. Okay. Uh, anyway, when they were writing it, they wanted the tone of the piece to feel like a 70s espionage thriller. Uh, kind of akin to a movie called Three, Doors, Three oh. Days of the Condor, yeah, The Parallax View, and The Marathon Man. Yeah. Were those all Robert Redford films, or is it just Three Days of the Condor? I believe it's just Three Days of the Condor. Uh, okay. Marathon Man's Dustin Hoffman, so okay, whatever. But there's a pretty big... Uh, I'd say they uh, succeeded in that, in that they got the star of at least one of those films, <laughs> who has not been a mo- in a movie since... Mm, well, he's he done was maybe... He a silent film, wasn't he? In a film that had no dialogue? It's called like against the. Uh, oh, all is lost. All is lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't say it. Robert Redford didn't say a word in that film. No. Um. Yeah. In the that last was still last year though. Th- that was. I mean, in the last seven years or so, he's been in about two movies. Oh wow! And never a big studio blockbuster. blockbuster yeah. So his contribution was pretty awesome. I would say. Yeah. yeah. Well, it developed the feeling that what they were going for is I don't want the audience to know who the villain is. Until the protagonist figures it out. Mm-hmm. So I think we kind of got that. Because throughout the film, I was guessing. I'm like, is Alexander Pierce, Robert Redford's character, a good guy? A bad guy? Because he's like, Captain America, I respect everything you do. But someone hurt my friend. And I'm going to hurt them. And I'm like, okay. That sounds reasonable. And it sounds like Captain America could be a suspect. Who would do that? I don't know. but Right. Uh, wait, is it him? And then, of course, it, it is. It's the boilers. Yeah, right. Another scene that's not on our list or anything I wanted to talk about that I think makes this movie great is in the beginning, uh, Captain America visits the Captain America Museum where, what's his name from uh, CSI New York, who is in uh, Forrest Gump, is narrating. It's like Captain America. Greg Amer- Cincy? 
Gary Sinise. Gary Sinise. Yeah, that's right. And he was like, Captain I America. Mixed, I just mixed his name with Greg Kinnear. Right. They look too alike. I'm sorry. Right. And so Gary Sinise is just like, Captain America. It's this twerpy little whatever until, yeah. And you get, it's this crazy but great scene where you get all the background story you need on the film in like two minutes without, you know, having a <laughs> conversation where Captain America is like, I used to be you know, five feet tall until they shot me up with Super Series. Yeah. Well, then right after that, he goes and visits uh, Haley Atwell's character. Oh, another great scene. And she's, they CGI'd her instead of getting a different actress. Oh, yeah. I mean, Haley Atwell plays uh, Peggy Carter in first Captain America movie and her own series coming up, but she has a scene in this movie where she's, what, like 80, 90 years old? Mm-hmm. World War II veteran. Right. Went in there with just... The dots on her face came out completely CGI'd into that age, and I'd say it's pretty flawless. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I didn't even know. I thought they got a different actress. Hence why I say it's pretty flawless. (laughs) Uh, Also, did you know, Skyler, that there were a total of 350 different versions of Captain America Winter Soldier? What? (sighs) For all the different regions it was released in. Why? Because of one scene. <laughs> the famous notebook scene where in the where Anthony Mackie or Falcon yeah. tells Cap, "You should listen to Marvin Gaye's soundtrack because it'll describe everything you've missed oh, <laughs> in yes. the last 70 years." <laughs> it's like, "Oh, yeah, I'll add it to the list." Whips out the little notebook. And you have all these pop culture references. Yeah. Got Star Wars and Star Trek. Five uh, of them are always the same in all of them, but another five were chosen by each of the different regions in online polls, which is nuts. Right. And super frippin' cool. Right. So I imagine, you know, in the UK version, they have, like, Doctor Who or something on there, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we could go farther and farther into all the pop culture references, but, you know, the American ones it had the important stuff, like Star Wars and Star Trek. Okay. Important stuff, of course. Important stuff. Oh, yes. It's a speculation fun time? I believe it is. Shamel, you're, well, you're, you're more than welcome to come back for speculation fun time. This oh, is okay, us great. just talking about random crap and just oh, yeah. thinking, just spewing opinions left and right, because the first topic is... The sequel to Captain America, Cap 3, Civil War. Recently announced, Robert Downey Jr. is on board. So much like how Winter Soldier the movie is not really Winter Soldier the the storyline from 2005, I'm guessing Cap 3 is not going to be... It cannot be. Like, there's so many characters involved in the Civil War big event that Marvel did like six, eight years ago. In I think it was in 2006 or seven when they did Civil War. Um, that they cannot do this the same way. But they do have a lot of characters in the MCU. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just, they keep piling them on. Nobody dies. Like, nobody leaves. Oh, no. Not a single protagonist has really died. Even Bucky came back. Right. I mean, the joke is that Marvel always does the so-and-so is dead, but not really. Mm Mm-hmm. They'll come back. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. So... I mean, it's going to be a sort of divide, and I don't know how they're going to divide. If it's going, it's sort of leading up to the whole we need to regulate superheroes, right? Because that's how Civil War started. And just with the presence of Downey, it seems like the main focus of the movie is just going to be the conflict between Captain America and Iron Man come to a head. I mean, we've seen it 
in the Avengers. We'll probably see a little bit more of it in uh, Age of Ultron. And this is the movie where it's going to come to blows. And they're going to have to pick sides. And we're going to get a superhero brawl. And we've all been waiting for this. Just want to see everybody slug punches at each other. Okay, everybody, give me your famous favorite matchup that you want to see of the MCU characters. Uh, okay, I'll give you mine. Ant-Man versus Hulk. I just want to see it. I want to see how they do it because I think it'd be awesome. Why, why would those, Why would you uh, want those two to fight? Like, what, what would make that an even matchup? Well, because nobody would think Ant-Man would win when he is obviously the choice to win. Okay. Because he would just shrink, go into that dude's ear or whatever. Hulk can't, like, shove his fist inside his body. It doesn't work like that. He could, like, punch his ear. Yeah, and he'd hurt himself. Oh, come on, it's Hulk. Yeah, he just had to cling to some cerebrals inside the the head or something. I don't know. Hulk is strongest there is. (laughs) Yes, but Ant-Man is smallest there is. Can't punch what you can't see, Hulk. As for me, it doesn't matter who's on one side. I just want to see a good iteration of Doctor Doom take someone on. It's not going to happen in the MCU, jerkwad. Oh, are you t- be talking about MCU? Yes, or? what's plausible to happen on screen? Oh, okay. While I don't think Ant-Man will fight Hulk, no, more than likely not. If you're going to see Cap and Iron Man fight, so th- I mean, if that's your favorite, fine. But you can't Doctor Doom's owned by a different studio. I know. Maybe that that's just where my head's at though, so you just want to see Doctor Doom take on some people? I just want to see a good Doctor Doom, yes. <laughs> Shimon. I like the idea of having uh, Hulk fight somebody. Yeah? yeah I, I don't think Ant-Man would be my choice. You know, somebody, maybe somebody that could keep on par with him for a little bit. Like, the only one I can think of right now is, like, Thor, mm-hmm. I guess. But I, I don't know. I don't like Thor that much. Well, we're going to see some Iron Man and Hulk go at it in Avengers 2. Yeah, I mean, we saw the, the, the Hulkbuster. Yeah, Hulkbuster yeah. armor come out. But you're right, there isn't a whole lot. It'd be nice to see a different Asgardian go against him. I'd like to see Sif. Sif against Hulk? Yeah. I don't know. The uh what what are they what are they called? The Warriors Four? Warriors Three. The Warriors Three. And Lady okay. Sif. They haven't they haven't been that uh that impressive in their fights. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> they just kind of been distractions <laughs> yeah. all the time. <laughs> there's there's an amazing shot in Thor, the first one, where I think it's uh, Volstag, Ray Stevenson, just gets hit by the Destroyer's beam, and he just goes flying through <laughs> this convenience store on fire. It's like, that pretty much sums the Warriors 3 up for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about the possibility of Captain America dying at the end of Civil War? I mean, he died at the end of Civil War in the comic book storyline. Is that possible? I mean, usually you say no, because star power rules above all, but Cap... Chris Evans has said he wants to take a pause. I don't have faith that Marvel has the balls to kill anyone for good, (laughs) but there's a chance, I suppose, at the end of this that they could, you know, retire him, kill him, as in, like, wait for him to come back by some magic or whatnot. Uh, Especially since we're not entirely clear what his contract is following Civil War. That's true. Yeah. Whereas... When I when Downey had that whole debacle about whether or not he was going to leave, that was in the news, and we knew exactly what was going to happen. He was only signed on till Avengers three, right? But now he's gone. For, he's they've resigned. He's right. good to go. Yeah, which also brings up the question that you know in Avengers when people were like, "Oh my God, is he going to die after he sends that rocket off?" It's like, 
they're filming Avengers three or Iron Man three in two weeks. Calm down. Oh, that yeah, back then. Yeah. You know, I've heard I've heard something about Captain or Chris Evans only being on for like two more movies or only having signed a contract for two more movies, and uh, the actor that plays Bucky for having signed up for a bunch more movies after that. So, so you think Sebastian Stan would take the mantle again? Another homage mm-hmm. to the comic books. Yeah, I'd like to see that. And it has been noted that. Uh, I'm pretty sure by Whedon himself that at the end of Age of Ultron, we're going to have a different Avengers lineup. So oh, thank God. That does kind of... I'm super excited for that. That does kind of throw in da- into doubt whether Captain will survive. Something's got to happen to Bucky, though, because I'm not going to trust his cybernetic arm being able to do the whole flip the shield thing. I could believe it with the super soldier serum because we didn't really know what the hell that did. It just made you amazing at everything. So, like, maybe you could see the pathway of the shield. Mm-hmm. Bucky's got to have something where he can do that. Otherwise, him throwing around the shield makes no sense to me. Yeah. Uh, moving on, what about Falcon? Um, Is Anthony Mackie, have you heard any news? I heard someone say, oh, he's going to be in uh, Age of Ultron with uh, Don Cheadle, you know, and whatnot. And really? It's like, uh, I haven't heard this anywhere else, so I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. Okay. But I'm sure he'll be back for Cap 3. Yeah, he'll be on the cap side. That'll make sense. And how they ended this uh, film, it's like, we're going to go off and look for Bucky together. Friendship. (laughs) You know, I imagine when we pick up with uh, Cap at the beginning of the next Avengers movie, there will be some at least mention of him or an appearance probably. I mean, I really liked what Anthony Mackie did. And I think Falcon's really cool, even though he's sort of just like a budget Iron Man. Uh, essentially. Yeah. As, budget Vulture, almost, I would say. Vulture hasn't been on film, Skyler. I don't care. We have to, we I have to specify that our listeners care. are the only people who watch movies. I don't care. <laughs> Plus, what? Hold on. Vulture? He's an old dude in a Vulture suit. Totally is. If he ever makes it to screen... Oh, wait. I've already made that bet with Rhino. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I don't think Tread. half of Spider-Man's Rogue Gallery should be on screen. Tread carefully. <laughs> yeah. Because Rhino made it, and that was horrible. If Vulture makes it, it's going to be the same thing. That's all I got to say. Uh, Red Skull. Red Skull. Now, he disappeared at the end of Captain America, ambiguous death by Cosmic Cube. Very ambiguous, yeah. But And then Hugo Weaving, because we always have to take into account that the movie is not... A box. The story is not a box. These actors have lives. Yes. Indeed. And careers that they want to pursue. And Hugo Weaving has gone on record saying that I don't really want... Didn't he diss the role? Uh, Didn't he say it wasn't even important to him? Yeah. Something along the lines of, you know, pretty much a popcorn, bubblegum, means nothing role. Oh, which, you jerk. know... But... It may be true, but you don't say that. Right. I... From what I've heard, his experience working with Marvel was not um, favorable. Okay, that happens. So he's one in what seems like a thousand. Yeah, we've heard that a lot recently. Yeah. (laughs) People aren't too happy with... uh, There's a certain type of person that enjoys working for Marvel, and then there are those who do not. And there's everyone else. (laughs) Yeah, but on the bright side, it seems like we haven't heard anything from anyone who worked on uh, this movie, so for that so yeah red skull getting back there i i don't see him coming back i do know that he was originally there was you know talk of throwing him in avengers with 
and have you know a dual antagonist with Loki. But that would have been nice. That would have been cool. But you could have had you needed to get Hugo. Right. Exactly. Anyway, to kind of spin off that, uh, recently uh, Daniel Bruhl, he's a German actor, has uh, joined the cast of the movie. Which uh, movie? Uh, Civil War. Okay. Cap three. Uh, you can see him in Ron Howard's Rush and The Fifth Estate about Julian Assange. But there's been uh, speculation due to his heritage that he would either be playing the character of Baron Zemo, another German antagonist from the Captain America universe. Nazi terrorist. Essentially. Or he would be picking up the uh, Red Skull role. So... No confirmation on either of them, but it is confirmed that he's on the cast. Speaking of Nazi terrorists, what the hell was with that mid credit scene and we see Wolfgang von Strucker, another Nazi terrorist, now the leader of HYDRA, right? That was confirmed in the mid credit scene, I believe. Essentially, the biggest faction of HYDRA left. Okay. And he looked ridiculous i just have to say i don't think there was a huge ad- attempt to modernize that character no monocles have that effect so <laughs> you're right that's what did it that's totally what did it yeah that was oh interesting enough that whole scene at the mid credits was written and directed by joss whedon right same as uh he also did the one at the end of thor so he it seems like the end credit stingers that tie into the avengers most he handles yeah so uh what's the deal with uh, the whole crossbones part where we see his dead body for about, not his dead body, his charred, crisp, breathing body for about three seconds, and then we're gone? So that's just enough for Marvel to say, he's still there, guys. No. Frank's coming back. Oh, yeah. Um, Latest rumor is that he would probably take over as the main antagonist for Cap 3. Uh, Nothing confirmed, of course. And then... In that same report, I believe it was on comicbookmovie.com, which, Mm -hmm. you know, he's usually pretty good about their stuff, but has been wrong on occasion. They said that Frank Griot would be the main antagonist and Daniel Brewer would be a side antagonist who would have a bigger role in Doctor Strange. Ooh. Can you you guys clarify who Crossbones is? Uh, He's sort of Red Skull's lackey in, in... the source material sense. Mm-hmm. He's sort of his top assassin. In the film, Crossbones was a Hydra sleeper agent in S.H.I.E.L.D. He's the guy that Falcon fights in oh, the very end there. Okay. Yeah, Brock Rumlow. Crossbones. Okay. And he's charred to us crisp because he's in the building when it collapses still? Something like that. I'm pretty I sure. He didn't jump out into a helicopter. No, I don't think it was... I don't remember it as being charred so much as just pretty much flattened and <laughs> by <Yeah. laughs> by a helicarrier. So, so that's a little bit interesting. Yeah, but back to the mid credit scene where we see Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, our first taste at Aaron Taylor Johnson and Elizabeth Olsen swooping around in their cages. Godzilla Redux. Godzilla went really. Really twisted after that point, guys. <laughs> yeah. no. Radiation poisoning. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Aaron Taylor Johnson is Quicksilver. Yeah, yeah. And we see that uh, Strucker is referring to them as miracles because apparently the phrase mutants is, oh, yeah. is a no-go. Licensed. <laughs> yeah. You cannot say mutants 
in a Disney production. <laughs> yeah. Or, well, in a Marvel production. We have a little bit of time. So we'll let's try and explain this as much as possible, the Quicksilver debacle. Okay? Okay. The Quicksilver debacle. You have Quicksilver in X-Men Days of Future Past, episode three, listen in. Uh, and we now have Quicksilver who will be in Age of Ultron. They are the same character. Same character, different iterations. I believe the justification was that they argued enough that in, you know, however they split them up, that they were important enough characters in both each universes. So Fox, the big conglomerate of Fox, owns both all the X-Men characters and all of the Fantastic Four characters. Every character that falls under that giant sphere is theirs to use in a film. In the film rights. Yes. Marvel owns all the Avengers characters and a lot of and whatever else that was not picked up by Fox, Sony, or Universal. Yeah. And I don't think Universal has anything anymore. They have Namor. Oh. They have Namor. How could I forget that? <laughs> they still have Namor. <laughs> but anyway, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were both originally X-Men villains and the father, I'm sorry, they were the the offspring of Magneto. At the same time, after they dissented from being evil mutants, they went and became Avengers. Now, were they villains originally in the, the Avengers or did they... No, they were part of the new lineup because a lot of the original Avengers wanted to leave. And so now you introduce Hawkeye. You Avengers... There was a lot of past old people who used to be villains. Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver. It was sort of redemptive Avengers team. Okay. And that was went on for years. They were a part of this team. But at the same time, they were mutants. They were tied to the X-Men universe. So now you have this split, and they were able to jimmy it out that they could both use Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. The Fox X-Men side were able to use the Magneto lineage to their pleasure as well as the word mutant. The Avengers side could only use Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch as siblings with superpowers, but not mutants, mm-hmm. in a nutshell. Yeah. My only wish is that, uh, same I ha- thing I had with Days of Future Past, which we talked about last time, is that they have a reason for having both uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch in the movie, which I'm... Sure they do. I you just haven't seen it. Right, I, exactly. Like, why not put in Ant-Man and Wasp? Or it, you know, literally any other character. You own all the characters, Marvel. Right. As long as they're not doing it to be like, oh, well, we have this character, we need to use them. <laughs> hey, we had to own that character too, Fox, right? Because, really, the licensing says, and now we're going to do it better. Just let it go, guys. To Fox's credit, they're going to have a hard time doing the whole Quicksilver thing better than what uh, Days of Future Past did because for as limited as he was on screen, I think their iteration in Dofp was Dof-p. was pretty Wonderful. fun and a good use of the character. The only thing going against uh, Age of Ultron is that Aaron Taylor Johnson is a vacuum of personality. <laughs> okay. I really do not like him as an actor, so. Oh, all so. right. There's that. I'll let you have that opinion, and I will wait until May when this movie comes out. That's going to wrap it up for time today and all of our topics. And for Captain America Winter Soldier, episode number four.
Superhero Movie Club is recorded and produced in the studios of KMSU in Mankato, Minnesota. Find this podcast online at superheromovieclub.podbean.com or subscribe on iTunes. Next show's topic is going to be... I don't remember. Thor the Dark World. Thor the Dark World. (laughs) True story. From late <laughs> Thor the Dark World, yeah. <laughs> no, what what is a true story? Oh, from uh, late April 2013 to when this movie came out, there literally was not a film I went and saw in theaters that the trailer for Thor the Dark World didn't play in front of. And the old adage is that trailers lie, but this one pretty much told the truth. Okay, well, next show's topic is going to be Thor the Dark World. That'll do it today. I'm your host, Michael Bauer. And I'm James Skyler Houtsma. And I'm Shmo Song. I hope you all have a super week. I come apart, baby, but that's okay. Cause trouble may